Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I'm your co-host, Buddy. Today we're going to talk a little bit about The Inquisitor. Before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks what we do on this podcast? What we do on this podcast is very straightforward. We like to talk about games, video games, tabletop games. We haven't done tabletop in a while, though, which is why uh, we have chosen to uh, go forward with The Inquisitor. Uh, the Inquisitor is obviously a Pathfinder class. Uh, do you know what book it was released in? I believe it was, um, maybe it was Ultimate Magic? Yeah, maybe. Let me, let me uh, see if I can find, uh, Advanced Player's Guide. Advanced Player's Guide, fair enough. The Inquisitor is a, is just like as an overview, uh, is a divine, uh, uh, kind of hybrid class. A little bit in the vein of a paladin, but instead of combining with something like, uh, you know, combining a cleric and a warrior, you're kind of combining, I guess you're kind of combining a cleric... And a rogue, rogue, um, ish. It's kind of got yeah. a lot. It's got. It's kind of got a lot of things in it. It, it. It's a very diverse class. I have to say, I've actually typically been pretty down on the Inquisitor, but doing a reread uh, last night brought me back a little bit. I guess on it. Uh, I think it's. A, I think it's a better class. I think of it as a little bit in the in a kind of like bastardized version. It like almost kind of like a the summoner maybe. Which is one of the base classes that came out that yeah. doesn't quite hit the mark the way I thought it would. Um, but there's just there's a lot of little things in the Inquisitor that I forget about, or that you know it's easy to forget about. Um, that uh, that that give me give me some hope, I guess. Uh, so so I think that there's a little bit of the kind of like they tried to do too many things at once bit, but I think most of it flows together, and, and I, I think. As we usually do with these, we're just gonna roll down the class features list, right? Yeah. Um, all right. So let's let's start. Um, it's got a D8 hit die. I think that's pretty standard for these hybrid level class things. Um, uh, you know, that's 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 kind of fine. It's um, got six plus in skills, which in is for skills, which is, which is very fine. roguish. Yeah, very rogue roguish. I would yeah. say. Uh, it also has a pretty good skill list. Um. There's a lot of stuff on here that I think it's like, you know, like I don't think that there's like fluff. And there's a lot of ways that you can specialize, I think, your character, right? Uh, because some of the niche skills that, you know, you don't always see on a class list, right? Things like survival, things like heal, um, disguise, right? Uh, those things are all on this list. And you can also just kind of do like the generalist version of it because, you know, at the same time that they have climb and swim, uh, they also have, you know, spellcraft uh, and knowledge arcana, which I think um, I, I definitely think that there's a version of the Inquisitor that you can play as like a, a, a skill monkey, like a strong skill monkey um, just by spreading those six points. Right. You don't even you don't even have to go hard into int in order to make that play. Yeah, and, and I think I think for these different types of specializations you're talking about, there's a lot of support for those kinds of things in the archetypes as well, which we'll get to later. But I think um, everyone's favorite. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think the archetypes are actually a lot where a lot of this kind of shine. I think this is true for a lot of um, the earlier classes, um, you know, like core and, and base class, you know, like a, or like the the core classes in like the advanced player class classes. They're built very very generally, and mm -hmm. so the archetypes allow them to specialize down like. I don't know if I can imagine playing a lot of the like you know the basic, um, uh, the the basic bard or the basic you know, maybe bard's a bad example but like the basic fighter or the basic 
Inquisitor without like choosing something to give it a little bit more flavor from the archetypes packages. Right. Um, but anyway, mo- moving down, um, a weapon proficiency, all simple weapons, hand crossbow, longbow, repeating crossbow, shortbow, and favorite weapon, um, and light and medium armor and shields. This the diverse set of things, very easy to kind of get what you want, and you know, like you're a feet away from getting like. Can I actually be a little bit of a hater for a second? Ooh. I kind of don't like. I actually, you know, this might be a topic for a future episode. Uh, in in the design of ranged versus melee classes in Pathfinder, I don't know that I like the Inquisitor as a ranged class. I think of it as being a melee class, or. I also think of it, I or I, you know, and it goes the other way, right? Like, I don't like the idea of uh, of an Inquisitor switching between melee and ranged as easy as it feels like they they can or they should be. I don't know. I I have I have very tough I have very tough uh, uh, kind of principles. I feel like. So, um, uh, I actually in my Wrath of the Righteous game, I've got uh, a ranged Inquisitor. He, he's a bow Inquisitor. Okay. Um, and I I think it works out fine. Um. I think that um, I don't think it's got any less or more trouble switching between ranged and melee than, like, say, a fighter does, which I think is ultimately fine. Like, I don't know. And a lot of their classes, a lot of their class features kind of like tap to weapons, right? Like, um, we'll see later, um, like their their bane feature, they can apply to a weapon and it will fall off of that weapon. So they can't switch and keep their bane on. Um but uh, I, I just, I don't. It doesn't seem that out, out far out of left field for me, right? Like, I think most classes kind of have access to, to any of these things, um, and it doesn't have like too much trouble switching between ranged and melee. At, at that point, the difference is, uh, your your stat line. But that's just like you said, like that's the same as any other class, right? Yeah, I think what it comes down to a little bit for me is um i like the idea of having discrete so something that makes a ranger good is you have your combat styles right and i think a fighter to this extent uh also as well um you have your your uh your style feats so that moving between ranged and melee doesn't feel good right like you feel like you're kind of giving up your uh your bonuses uh and like the class feels like it gears you towards one way or the other like i'm fine with the idea of a ranger being either or and i think it plays to it being either or well Uh, i i think fighter does the same thing because obviously most of the bonus feats that you're going to be getting um are kind of only for one you know what I mean? Like, it would be weird, I think, to have a fighter that gets weapon focus longsword and weapon focus longbow and kind of splits down the middle, I guess, to a certain extent. Um, and it feels like that there's not enough of that stuff in here to really keep uh, the, uh, to, to keep, I guess, the Inquisitor from almost like switch hitting, I guess. I, I, I don't see. I don't I, think. I, I don't I think, think you're, you're right, right about you're fighter. Right. Like I think fighter gets enough like weapon groups that like he can easily switch between everything. Like I, I think I think that most classes kind of have this inherent flexibility. Yeah, rangers have their style feats, but I think that's the exception rather than the rule. Um, like I think rogues switch easily between them, especially the unchained rogue with his kind of like default weapon finesse ability. Yeah, it does kind of suck. Yeah, I don't know. I really, I like, I like the idea that there's a, you know, that there's a discrete difference between ranged and melee uh, classes, and I'm, f- and I wish, I almost wish that there was more of that. This might just be a general, because as you know, the more I do, kind of think about it, right? Uh, I think it, uh, there's not a lot in a in a uh, Slayer's kit 
that stops him from um, pinch hitting, essentially. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the, the bigger thing there. So um, I also have a Slayer in one of my games. And the thing that and he's a ranged Slayer. And the thing that he always complains about is that it's harder to get sneak attacks off um, from range because you don't get the you don't have like the flanking automatic sneak attacks. Um, but that's, I think, about it there as well. Um, I think it's kind of the penalty you take from playing range. I, th- I think the same thing is true here, right? Like, um, I don't, I don't, I don't really see switch hitting as, as inherently a problem, though. Right? I, th- I think players tend to focus on one or the other anyway. That's fair. Yeah, like yeah it, that's pretty fair. I don't know. I think you know this is also probably um, um, uh, the. Uh, Wow, player in. Uh, I was gonna say, bit. I feel like your wow's bleeding in a little bit, like because I or or even like my four E. I I like this a lot about four E, right? Like I like you know the controller, the 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 whatever it's called, um, you know the controller, the leader, the tank, the DPS, whatever that DPS is called. DPR. Um, striker. I oh yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. That, right? Like, um, and I and I thought that that was uh, I I actually do think that that's pretty good design. Um, and I almost wish it was something that was a little bit more like widely embraced. Um, but I'm also like a structural categorized kind of person. So I know that it would definitely bug people who do like to, you know, think, think outside the box, I guess, uh, and kind of be free and creative. So I don't know, maybe that's yeah, just I, me. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't feel like being, I don't, I don't feel like the ranged melee distinction is, is super, is is a super is one that needs to be super driven, but you know I I, I see that. But anyway, um, we we stopped at weapon and armor proficiency. <laughs> so we <let's>, did, yeah. <laughs> um, spells, um, inquisitor spell list. Um, it's I believe there, there's a couple of inquisitor only spells, but it's it's uh, it's a fair number of like spells you kind of expect. Um, it's wisdom based and it casts like a like a bard six levels, um, wisdom modified. And you you know a certain number of spells, and you can cast any of them. It's a spontaneous style caster. Um, any thoughts about that? Um, not really. I like that the Inquisitor has spells. I like that it's a six. I think six level spell casters are great. Um, I think the Inquisitor spell list is strong in in the exact same way that the Mage Mega spell list is strong. In that, uh, I think that they did a good job. Uh, balancing it yeah and theming it uh and it feels like you kind of get the right spells it's one of those spell lists where i have an easy time just kind of looking at it you know off off the cuff and saying you know this that and the other thing are very strong and useful useful spells yeah um and then there there's some there's some good good uh good ones in there too that are, that are pretty um pretty uh flavorful like i can't remember the name of it but it's like it's like burning something um it's it, essentially you shout and everybody has to take make a, a ch- or rather you make an intimidate check and everybody you intimidate bursts into flames wow it's 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 it's, it's 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 great it's super flavorful stuff like that i love it um yeah i think that there's also a lot of stuff in here that is um it's not blistering invective uh, yeah, oh, I do know Blistering Invective. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on here that's not on other spell lists that I think is cool. Um, in the same way, yeah, this is the exact same thing that happens in, uh, in the Magus, and I'm glad that they kind of, like, 
allow uh, allow the the Inquisitor to have special spells. I I suppose. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I think it's. I don't think we've got any complaints. There's not a lot to discuss there either, really. Yeah, the spell the spell known progression is obviously fairly straightforward. Uh, I actually kind of prefer spells known to. Uh, to I don't prepared. Know how you feel about that? To prepared. Um. I I think. So I I think the way that um, five E handles it is kind of best. Um. The, re- the reason I don't like prepared spells... The thing I don't like about the prepared versus uh, the spontaneous spells is that, like, spontaneous spellcasters kind of don't get to pull a lot of utility spells because the spell slots are very, very valuable. Uh, the flip side of that is prepared spellcasters. Preparing a utility spell is always kind of like, a, well, I might not need this kind of proposition. And you've kind of got to, like, well, we, we've, we've got to get a knock spell, so time to bed down while the, the arcane spellcaster remembers how to cast knock um and you know i think that there's a case for like a very specialized kind of like sorcerer like i'm the i'm like yeah, the thief sorcerer i, 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 I have knock you, pro- I, you know I, and the idea of a uh, the idea of a prepared spellcaster on nine nine level you know like when you're a primary spellcaster that doesn't really bug me but i kind of feel like every non-primary spellcaster should have a spells known list mm. um Interesting. So, I mean, th- this will come down when we talk about the archetypes because there is an archetype that makes you a prepared spellcaster that I quite like, um, but we'll get to that later. Um, true. That's that's fair. <laughs> um. Anyway, moving down. Uh, the next thing is is uh, domains. Um. Uh, the, you get to pick a uh, a domain, um, or an inquisition. Um, I actually really like this feature. Um, you don't get the bonus spells, but you do get the um, you do get the domain powers, and then the inquisitions are kind of more specialized. I think this is a very smart reuse of the domain thing, which I think was a very cool thing to add to the clerics in the first place. Um, and this is a great way to kind of get more mileage out of that mechanic. Um, and then the inquisitions on top of that give let you have a little bit more flavor to the to the class. I think it, I think it's um, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. It, to a certain extent, um, this is one of the things that I forgot about uh, is the uh, uh, the fact that they get domain uh, that they get this. You know, like the the big the big name stuff, right? Judgment, uh, the bane. I remembered that, but I kind of forgot about you know the domains, and I think that the domains are actually a pretty good system all in all uh, for Pathfinder. So, I am. I'm pleased. I'm pleased with this inclusion. Yeah. Um, also, you, inquisitions, obviously. Yeah. Do you, do you have a, do you have any particular inquisitions that you that you wanted to point out? Um, uh, I didn't look th- too much through them. I I particularly just kind of like their names, right? Um, I you know there are there are obviously domains that are like family, right? honor hunting right and then you know you have like conversion right fervor heresy zeal spell, right like spell killer yeah though i i think these are uh uh i think these are good good names good good ideas for inquisitions yeah. um and they're also very a lot more varied than the like the domains all kind of follow a, a certain format um like it's like a level one power a higher level power and some thematic spells whereas they went a little bit crazier with the uh with the inquisitions like there's some that act like that but then there's like the black powder inquisition which is you know if you wanted it to be a gun inquisitor take the black powder inquisition and you don't get a lot else from it but you kind of get like 
like it's a good way to kind of like tie in some of those things and, and do something stranger with it. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, um, I almost kind of think the Inquisitions are more interesting than the domains, just because the domains are obviously keyed for clerics and the Inquisitions are obviously keys for Inquisitors. But um, I, I'm sure that's just because I'm, I don't have quite the you know I don't have a super exhaustive uh, yeah I understanding. Think I think there's some cool... I think that the domains are kind of... Their powers are also balanced against their bonus spells, which obviously the Inquisitor can't um, can't take advantage of. Right. Um, but I also think that... I think there are some good domains out there that that make for great Inquisitor bits, but I, all, but I, I think in a way you're right that, like, kind of taking the... the um, taking the, 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 the kind of, like, the, the, the restrainers off and letting them go wild with the Inquisition led to some very cool things. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's Inquisitions and Domains. And then the next is Judgments. Judgments are a big class feature for, um, for the Inquisitors. I think it's one of the more iconic ones. Definitely. I actually I actually misunderstood Judgments, and I'm glad I reread the ability because I thought that you picked a Judgment from the sublisting, but that's not actually true. It's just when you use it, you choose which one you use, and you can switch it dynamically, which I think is a vastly cooler system. I was like, why the fuck would I choose, you know, like, some of these are, are uh, kind of specific. Um, and I was just like, why the fuck would I choose that, right? Like, it's, it's just... No, I what? I uh, no, uh, but I I like the idea of switching from, you know, healing to destruction to resistance, kind of based on the context of the fight. Um, yeah, um, it's uh, and it's also good because like there there are some good general purpose ones there, right? Like my uh, the 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 player in my game uses almost exclusively destruction and justice. But, you know, when he needs to, he'll pop on a smiting or a resistance or, you know, a healing. Um, and it, it, the, the flexibility is really great while having some some there that it will always be useful. Um, I, I think I think it's a very well-crafted feature. I think it scales relatively well. Um, it's, it's, they're, they're, all, they're usually like plus one and then another plus one for every three levels. Um, and then um, and the, the, the action economy is good on them, too. Um it's what it's a it's a swift action to 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 use and a swift action to change um and um something that i that i really like about this is i think this might be the first example of of kind of an encounter level power it lasts for the entire combat um which i think is is you know a, a good kind of like a good step for for uh, pathfinder i think encounter level abilities are a very good strength of yeah. of fourie i think they're a good strength of uh 5e and and kind of like they've it's also even shown up in things like uh, path of exile and tyranny um <laughs> uh i think encounter level powers are kind of a, a good way to uh, uh uh put out resources i think you could see a lot of examples earlier of things that are supposed to be on that kind of encounter level but it's like you know three or four a day almost always and that's just kind of masking the once per encounter i guess because I guess encounters can be a little bit hard to kind of be like this one ends here and this one starts here for for certain situations, but I think in the general case, I I, I think as a system, encounter level powers are good. I'm glad that judgment kind of is, is a stepping stone in that direction. 
Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm with you 100%. I think that judgments, um, you know, especially when you have a player who, like, judgments are a great thing for, like, a Captain Crunch to really maximize himself, but it also, in a, like, in not a cheap way, you know, that, like, like it kind of feels like sometimes when you're being, oh, something of a rules lawyer and you're kind of cheesing uh, a mechanic or you're min-maxing really hard, right? Like, I like the idea that there's kind of a learning curve to judgments where if you're not super into it, you can just swap between... Uh, destruction and justice and call it a day right but if you are and you can you know you can kind of prepare and plan ahead aha i'm going to use my swift action to move into piercing and then i'm going to um you know make a uh you know i'm going to cast this spell on on the bad guy right or um you know i i know that i'm in a position where i need to kind of tank it up and i think i i think it's a great way for a player to kind of express their mastery over the class by uh swapping between judgments proactively um and thinking about the the fight strategically sometimes i think about this stuff um you know, sometimes I think about this stuff in the context of, like, the the Barbarian versus, like, the Cavalier, almost, right? And how some of the mechanics are built to kind of make the Cavalier feel like a more organized fighter than the Barbarian feels like. And I think yeah. this is the exact kind of thing that makes a, you know, an Inquisitor's uh, fighting style feel unique and interesting. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, did yep. you... I think that I think that's it for for judgments though. Uh, yeah, it's, that's about. I, I kind of wish there were more. Uh, yeah, I agree. I also feel like it's a like again some of the archetypes will add judgments, but I also think it's a hard thing to add in post because then it's like it's just power creep for the Inquisitor since you can't yeah, between yep, all of them. That is definitely true. That um, is definitely true. I think archetypes that switch them out or like a feat that could add one might be a neat thing to do, but I also think that it's kind of expensive for a feat. Um, Maybe you could get a couple of judgments for a feat, like two yeah. or three kind of linked judgments that are all about something. I mean, that feels more like it should be on an archetype, though. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, well, the next is Monster Lore, which is actually a, a, something I like a lot. It's one of the better of these um, uh, kind of skill, bon like skill bonus passives. They have another one. Um, but what I like about Monster Lore is it, it reminds players that that system exists i think that's a system that people forget about a lot uh maybe it's just me because i forget about it a lot uh, well i agree with you i don't think it belongs in the inquisitor this is one of the things that i was gonna say, or rather it doesn't belong on most versions of the inquisitor that i think of right like i think there's definitely a vampire hunter inquisitor out there and there's like various sundry like monster hunter type inquisitors out there but i feel like that's not your generalist inquisitor that's I, that's not what i imagine when i think of the inquisitor and th this is what i what was referencing earlier when I said that I think that some like it, it suffers from a little bit of the, um, you know, kind of try to do too many things at once. It's like I think that like, um, like, uh, uh, judgment and like solo tactics fit in this kind of like one category of like, uh, martial agent of the church, um, whereas monster lore and bane kind of fit into a kind of a, a monster hunter archetype, um. I think they're kind of separate concepts, and I, I think they're well blended. But I, I also, I it also feels a little bit, um, what's the word like, uh, erratic to me. Interesting. 
I, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. I really don't know how, what, what, uh, because I do think you're actually kind of right that it's a little bit out of the, uh, mold, I guess, for the Inquisitor. I don't know, because I, I definitely, you know, like, when I picture an Inquisitor in my head, it is a very similar picture to what I picture a monster hunter being but if you actually do think about it for a second it doesn't really match up with what an inquisition implies right you know you don't inquisit right yeah. monsters <laughs> i don't know i guess to a certain extent because i also th you know this is also kind of applied to like a ranger or a hunter right because they get um uh favorite enemy stuff so it's a little bit different yeah like it's a more intense you know monster lord is strictly speaking way worse than favorite enemy but um yeah i don't know that's that's interesting yeah i mean i i again i think this is a class that shines in the archetypes and i think there are good archetypes that enhance monster lore and get rid of some other features for it and some good is there a class you think that doesn't shine in the archetypes um well so i think there are classes that shine this like that can shine without having an archetype right like okay like uh i think the base magus is pretty good um and i think like say the base swashbuckler is pretty good and i, and I think there are versions of like the base the base paladin that doesn't need um an archetype to really to really uh, bring it out but like mo most or, or like some of the um the full classes like i don't think oracle really needs an archetype um but i feel like I feel like, say, um, some of the more generalized classes need need an archetype to feel complete. Like, I think Inquisitor needs an archetype to feel complete. I think Fire, in a lot of ways, needs an archetype to feel complete, um, etc. Et um, to, to feel really special. Um, okay, I'm with you. Um, yeah. But, uh... Yeah, like, so just to kind of finish out that thought, there are archetypes that get rid of the monster lore for more, for more like Inquisition-y type stuff and ones that get rid of the other things to be more Monster Hunter. And I think that that those two concepts can kind of live in harmony in the in, in kind of like the class space. Okay. But like splitting the difference on a particular Inquisitor I think is less... And it's not even less successful because, like, I think it works, right? I think Monster Lore is useful for almost any campaign. Um, I just it just feels a little thematically weird. Yeah. Um, yep. Um, but you know, um, it's 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 still useful regardless. Um, but next up is Horizons. I don't think there's much to say about that. They're just you know, your cantrips, your Horizons, you get them, hooray. Um. Uh, Stern Gaze is the next one, which is which is I think something that's very flavorful. I mean, I like it a lot. Um, you uh, you re receive a morale bonus and all intimidate and sense motive checks equal to half your Inquisitor level, um, which I think is really cool. Um, and like it, it doesn't like it, it's not like a, an ability, but it kind of like pushes forward. But what like like that's a very Inquisition feeling power, right? It's it, it's yeah. a skill bone. It, it's like a it's, it's a mild bonus, but kind of like the 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 fantasy of it like you know like it's got like kind of like a penance stare level type thing you know like look into my eyes and i will judge you um i i think that that's that's really cool even though it ultimately isn't a huge amount of uh 
a huge amount of mechanics behind it. Yeah, I think uh, I do like that it can. I mean, you can get some truly insane uh, intimidate checks with it, and that can like factor into kind of what feats you take, right? And I like that a lot. Like, I like the idea of an inquisitor who's demoralizing uh, in the middle of a battle, kind of thing. I think that that's cool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I also like when, you know, when classes like this get a kind of an RP bone thrown to them, I think it makes sense to kind of have your inquisitor not really be a face, but to be like, you know, the, the eternal bad cop, essentially. Uh, I think that that's, that it's, it's neat and you can, like this mechanic is small and it's cheap, but it, it kind of forever pushes you know, that kind of RP identity onto the Inquisitor, which is fitting. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. This is, we've had discussions before about how much a class informs, um, class informs a particular story or, or lore of, of the class. And, and it varies right. heavily from class to class. And I think this is, this is one that pushes it in the direction of class informs lore, um, which is neat. You know, what's funny about that is I don't even know what, my you know what i mean like what side of the argument did i take on that <laughs> um i i think i think you were more you you are generally more in favor of class in, in forms lore um okay we, we have, oh yes i know what you're talking about you're talking about the thing where it's like i can have the mechanics of a sorcerer but call myself a wizard because the two are disconnected is that uh, what i mean yes but more the, the one i like better because i think it's a little bit less like like, I think Wizard and Sorcerer have specific RP connotations to them. Um, I think you can do that in certain circumstances, but the, the big one for me is, is you know, a a cleric, like the, the, the person, like the person who leads a particular church, he can be a cleric, he can be a paladin, and, or he could be, like, a fighter with particularly strong religious conviction. Um, where Like, I don't think that needs to be super tied to the class, and, and we, we've discussed that, too. I, I, I think... That that's actually a topic for another episode, rather than trying to dig into it here. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I uh, yeah, I mean that is probably a topic for another. Uh, episode. Yeah, because I feel like we could get into a, a big long argument about that, and that would be fun. But we need to finish the Inquisitor. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, we we never finish books on time, but goddamn, I'll be I'll be damned if uh, we don't finish a class within an episode. Seriously. Uh, um, uh, next on the list is Cunning Initiative, Inquisitor, uh, at second level Inquisitor adds Wisdom Modifier Initiative Checks, in addition to her Dexterity Modifier. Is what it is. Seems like a filler class feature. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. Um, um, detect Alignment, uh, I like that the Inquisitor can choose, uh, you know, a, a couple of different to go, to go for. I think that this makes a lot of sense, obviously. Um, it informs RP, obviously, um... Yeah, I, I like I like that this feature exists on the Inquisitor a lot. It is one of those low budget, high impact features that I think can really make someone's Inquisitor shine, uh, because they have the ability to detect alignment, essentially all the time. Yeah, um, and not only that, but you can detect, like one of the things about say, uh, I guess as paladins, they get to detect evil, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, not everything like the, not detecting as evil doesn't mean you'll detect as good if that makes sense right so there's there's also like like i think the inquisitor having the ability to do everything is 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 very neat um i think the only thing i don't like about it is kind of like 
Um, again, probably a larger episode. We might have even talked about this at some point about alignments and, and how what purpose they serve in game. Um, is that like the kind of letter of those things are like you know everybody falls into one of these nine neat little squares, which is not exactly the the greatest things in a lot of cases. But um, but I but I think you know for the purposes of the system, it's fine. Yeah. Yep. I. I uh, for the purposes of the system, it's fine. Yeah. Um, next down the list is uh, is track. Uh, adds half for level on survival checks, skill checks to meter follow identify tracks. This is a monster hunter side. Um. Uh. Oh, see, interesting. I guess I do think of this as the monster hunter side. I also think of this as like an inquisitor side. Oh, right? you know what? In a yeah. weird way, I think of the inquisitor almost a little bit in like the investigator vein of yeah, like yeah, hunting you're right. people. You know. Um. So. Yeah, I'm with you a little bit, uh, but it go it kind of goes both ways. Yeah, I think yeah, it's no, part I see of that, that like mismatch. Uh, I don't really have anything big or important here. I like that. I like track. I think track is cool. I would. I wish that there was kind of more of it. It's. I find it a not very compelling thing to do in game as a GM. Like from the GM side, right? You just kind of either have someone who can track, or you have someone who can't. You know what I mean? Like it's a very binary yeah. interaction with not a lot of interesting moving pieces to it it's also kind of weird because like if you like it's always going to be a thing that kind of like moves out like if you're preparing a certain set of things to happen for the day right like it's always something that's kind of kind of move outside of that like if you need to track something to find the monster if you fail you have to do something else or if you're doing it when the gm isn't expecting it you have to like bypass something that you were anticipating doing, which, which you know, is, is fine for kind of fluid gameplay style, but it makes it hard to anticipate. Like, it, it's not it's not a thing that, like, it's not a thing that, like, enables... It's a thing... It's, I don't know how to put this. It's a thing that kind of, like, divides out the the decision space, if that makes sense. It, it you know, it ensures that two different sets of things will happen in the general case, um, if that makes sense. I, it definitely makes sense. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's one of those things that's also weird from a, like, I feel like if you're in a party where nobody has it, it's a problem. But if you have, if you just happen to have a class who does it, you know what I mean? Where, um, like, it's, you, you kind of have to decide beforehand whether or not you can actually engage in using survival in this way based on the composition of your party's makeup. Yeah, yeah. It, which what... feels like a problem that you have to solve, You know, that just gets solved by, you know what I mean? Like by having a ranger in the party, having an inquisitor in yeah. the party. Uh, and yeah. I think it's one of those weird problems where like, you know, if nobody has it, then the then the GM is is probably not going to throw anything at you that you need to use it for, right. um, and it's one of those things that like in order to encourage players to take, you kind of have to like signpost like, well, if you had survival, um, but like that's also like a weird thing to kind of like, <laughs> you know what is pretty funny? I'm pretty sure I've done that at least two or three times in, because uh, I don't know that Jimmy ever took survival in Hell's Rebels. I he think might he did. have survival. Because there have been a couple of times where it's, like, come up and I've, like, heavily telegraphed it 
like that in that specific way, right? Like if you had, or maybe it was heel. I'm thinking of heel. I think uh, is the one you're thinking yeah. of. He, yeah, it, it's rough because you know these things have certain mechanics, uh, but like you also need to kind of like hide plot relevant information behind them. And it's like, well, if nobody has the, if nobody has a heel, then they can't figure out what you know boiling blood does. Right yeah. or what stage of uh, you know beastman corruption these guys are uh, are experiencing? Um, I don't know. Heel heels. So uh, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think heel is like the worst named skill on the list because it doesn't heal anybody. Um, it's uh, like I think it should be like medicine, maybe. Like, yeah, I think no medicine would actually be a pretty strong place for it to be. Um, I think it's weird that it's wisdom when so much of the skill seems to be figuring out what's, you know, like understanding the way the human body works, like anat- anatomically speaking, which very much feels like an intelligence check to me. I don't know. I, I have I have tough. I actually like the idea um, uh, of, the, you know, there's the heal skill unlock, which allows you to give like people long term care in very short amount of times. Uh, on like a charge system i like the idea of lowering the barrier to low cost healing through the heal skill right if i'm in a party of you know a fighter a barbarian uh a wizard and a you know inquisitor whatever and no not an inquisitor because they can heal Um, oh right uh something like a shit not a ranger they can heal a rogue right um I like the idea that one of those people just picks up heal, right, in order to facilitate kind of between combat, you know, everybody, you know, you you, you use a heal check on everybody, maybe they recover 1d8 HP, 2d8 HP kind of thing, um, so that you can kind of make it out of uh, combat, like, you make it out of combat at low HP, but then you heal up by, like, basically applying first aid to everyone, and then we kind of continue. I think that that's a good way to solve the problem of, like, well, we have to have one of X number of classes in order to support our healing, um, you know, for the for the whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, think, I think that could be a, its own, own topic, too. Um, but uh, I, I think that's... I think that's all we have to say about track, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I'm sorry. All right, yeah. and this, and you know, the worst part is too is I have like a thing about solo tactics. I solo tactics is the next one, right? Um, essentially, all of the Inquisitor's allies are treated as if they possess a teamwork feat. Um, for the Inquisitor, for getting their bonus from teamwork feats, uh, kind of bundled along with them is that they get a bunch of bonus teamwork feats at third level every three levels thereafter, right? Um, uh, they can also, as a standard action, choose to learn a new teamwork feat in place of the most recent bonus teamwork feat they have already learned in, in effect that they are swapping out the, what, what bonus feat they have, um, uh, permanently too, which is crazy. permanently right. Yeah. I think this is bullshit. This is what makes me hate. This is what makes me not like. I don't hate the, the Inquisitor, but this is what this has always been the thing that makes me not like the Inquisitor. I think teamwork feats are not poor, are not amazingly designed in the first place, right? I think that there are a lot of kind of pitfalls here, um, and I think what they have done with solo tactics and the Inquisitor's teamwork feat dynamic switching is put an artificial cap. 
on the power of teamwork feats just because the Inquisitor is built to abuse them. So, essentially, right, as an Inquisitor, you can just take teamwork feats and get, you know, and just kind of get them as, as regular bonuses as long as you, you know, have allies that are fulfilling the prerequisites for you. And I think that that's, you know, I think that's interesting, right? Like, I think teamwork feats should be taken more often. I think that they, um, I think that the idea of, you know, one feat that doesn't activate but that goes crazy when you have another person with it um, is, is a super cool thing to get into but i don't think that you can make the teamwork feats as powerful as they need to be because an inquisitor can take it essentially for free right and essentially on the fly too um and that creates so many kind of edge cases and like abuse cases that you have to tamp down on the power of the teamwork feats such that you know your random rogue uh uh, uh samurai combo just is you know never never looks sideways at, at a teamwork feat and just thinks that they are entirely worthless see i i i agree with you that, that that's what happens i actually like solar tactics a lot i think it's a really neat idea but i don't think that this problem is solely the inquisitor's fault i think this is also the cavalier's fault i think it's every class that has a tactician archetype um like i i think that i think that tactician is is I think tactician is the worst problem. I think that actually solo tactician. Oh, really? Interesting. I, I, I like tactician a little bit better. Not very much, but a little bit. I uh, see. I think solo. I think you can make the teamwork feats more powerful with just solo tactics, and maybe you need to 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 get rid of the the, the switchability of the teamwork feat on on a uh, on um inquisitor. But I think that those are not. So I, I think solo tactics is not so bad, especially if you build that into the power budget. I think you can make that work. I don't think you can make tactician work with with very powerful teamwork feats because then that's like that's like a, a multiplicative effect, right? If a inquisitor buffs himself up super hard with theoretical good teamwork feats, then it's not you know it, that's one character, and you can kind of you can pull the levers on that very easily. I think. Um, I think trying to pull the levers on an entire party when you, the entire party is granted a teamwork feat for free, I think that's a lot harder to do, and I think it's also a lot, a lot. Uh, I, I think that's the bigger problem when it comes when it comes to the teamwork feat system. I, I don't think it's solo tactics. What I like about the teamwork feat system in that context, one, it is super fitting to the Cavaliers' lore. Um, I like the Cavaliers kind of like something of a warlord battle, battlefield commander, right? And two, I think that it is kind of appropriately function like it's it's a it's a big functioning part of the Cavaliers kit. Um, I actually think Cavaliers that don't take maximum advantage of tactician with their party are doing themselves a huge disservice and they're leaving a lot of power on the table right um and uh because i think if you just line up right like if you kind of just line up the things that make uh the cavalier the cavalier um and then you line that up with fighters you know paladins uh slayers rogues right you're if you choose not to include uh using tactician appropriately in that i think i think cavaliers definitely come out uh, on the bottom of that kind of list in a comparative kind of environment um, I don't know. That's, that's the, and it's solo tactics and solo tactics doesn't feel like it's a part of the inquisitors, right? Like 
I it, it is a it is a neat ability that just kind of doesn't feel like it belongs on the Inquisitor, especially. I don't know. It just really doesn't feel like it belongs on the Inquisitor. Um, and it feels uh, especially like with the ability to swap it out for free, right? You, you've you kind of given them martial flexibility for teamwork feats that apply more or less no matter what. You know what I mean? Sure. And I, like, see, I can see solo tactics working for like any type of rogue class. Like I think, I think solo tactics would, would, be thematically appropriate on a rogue or on anything in that kind of like set of set of classes, which I think, I think, uh, uh, rather, I think Inquisitor falls into that kind of set as well. And I think, I think it can work there. Um, but, and, and I don't know, it's weird too, because the Cavalier, I definitely see like the, the tactician as being part of them. But when I think of Cavalier, I think of like a knight. Like, he's not necessarily a tactician. I just think of a dude on a horse with a lance. Um, and, you know, and, like, the, the kind of those aspects of, of it. Um, but I, I, I see your point. I just, again, I, I think that, I don't think that getting rid of solo tactics lets you buff teamwork feats. I think tactician also keeps keeps it in kind of this relatively weird low power, like, low to mid power zone that, you know, means that most players don't end up looking at them because they're too powerful on, on these specialized classes. Okay, I see. I mean, really, I'm kind of just, I'm just kind of defending. I don't, I don't think either of them are great, and I think they contribute to all of these problems with the teamwork feats. Um, but uh, uh, I do think that one is kind of marginally better than the other. So I'm in, in a certain sense, I am, defi- I am defending, right? you know, the better of two evils. <laughs> okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, I like solo tactics, so fuck you. Um, Fair enough, okay. Uh, uh, no, I, I, I see your point. I, I agree. I just think that solo tactics is a really neat idea. And maybe you're right, maybe it doesn't belong on the Inquisitor, but I definitely do think it belongs somewhere in the game. Um, the fact that it landed on Inquisitor notwithstanding. Um, I'm actually surprised there aren't more archetypes that are like, the like you know you know how there's always like a there, there's a tactician archetype for a lot of classes. I'm surprised there's a solo tactics archetype for a lot of classes. You know like oh right. switch out your sneak attack for solo tactics or there's something like that. Um, but anyway, moving on, um, we've got Bane. It's I love Bane. It's pretty I good. Think Bane is great. Um, I think it's super cool too. Um, so I actually I have a point for this. Um, and I think it's it's a greater problem with kind of like the the systems in play, um, and it ties. There, there's again going moving down to the archetypes. There's an archetype that that you know there are a couple of different archetypes that make your bane behave in more specific ways, but work better on them. Um, and this this is the thing I think that's weird about the system is in campaigns with particular enemies. I see this a lot in Wrath of the Righteous. Almost all the enemies are um, demons, or or at least a lot of the scarier enemies are demons, and so. In those types of games, like Bane, especially specialized versions of that, like there's an Abyssal Hunter archetype somewhere, which is like, we fuck up demons. It's like, well, in the demon campaign, those things are, those, those abilities are disproportionately powerful. Similarly to like a, a Ranger favorite enemy type of thing, right? Like, you know, if you play in a game, like play a game like Giant Slayer, you take Giant as your favorite enemy, you're probably going to be, do all right, right? Like, right, right. Um, I don't, I, like, I think Bane 
is okay because it's so, because it's so flexible. It's built into the power budget. Um, but like I, I also feel like I feel like in order to, to kind of like properly balance these kinds of abilities, you need to have like fights that are mixed groups of enemies, right? Like a fight that's all demons. Like your your inquisitor is going to do better than your like I I don't know your 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 cleric, I guess, cause he, or or you know your your paladin, cause um you know he he can focus on this on this one thing. Um, I, I find it to be a very hard thing to balance uh, a lot of these kind of like very targeted uh, abilities and feats and spells that kind of give you an advantage against one enemy when the entire campaign is that one type of enemy. Okay. Uh, yeah, I I see a little bit of that problem, uh, especially in Hell's Rebels. I, I always kind of fear, you know, that like, Maybe we'll get into a situation like that because obviously there's a lot of devils, um, there's a lot of humans. Um, I definitely feel that. I what what I think I like about the bane ability uh, for the Inquisitor is that it can be changed. Um, it makes it feel like it is a. It it makes it feel like it's an ability. Um, it's, it's a good... The Inquisitor has all these different abilities that they can just change on the fly as a swift action, right? Judgments, uh, they can change. Teamwork feats on, a, on the fly. Bane feels like a good version of that, right? I like the idea uh, of an Inquisitor with a sword, you know, going from Bane human to Bane demon when he, he switches targets. I don't know. That's cool. I think that's I think that's super cool. I also, I also like it in kind of the... You know, in the, like... It's a lesser smite, um, like damage boosting ability, uh, or like sneak attack, but is tied to another piece of essentially the lore of the game, right? In this, you know, in that Bane is, uh, is something for your items. Um, and so it feels a little bit more like solid and rooted. And so not everything is then is like a created mechanic, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so the thing that's a little bit weird about it to me is like, why is it flavored as Bane, right? Like, it's it's super flexible. Why isn't it just, like, a flat damage increase, if that's what you want, right? Like, it's very rare over the course of combat that you're going to be using the same, um, that you're, that you're going to be hitting more than one enemy of different different types in the same round, which is the only time where you, you wouldn't get the bonus if you were using it. Um, I guess it's just... What I will say is um i think it's like a uh i i agree with you um but i think it's an action economy thing right you can't switch your judgment and you can't switch your main in the same round um and keying some of this stuff to your swift action not being able to use your swift action for something else is what makes it work essentially okay i see that i see yeah okay i can agree with that uh but that's how i feel about bane um Next, we have Discern Lies, which is essentially, you know, uh, they can use Discern Lies as the spell for a number of rounds equal to their level. They don't got to be consecutive, and they can do it as an immediate action. This is just kind of an upgrade uh, of, uh, what is it called, Stern Gaze, essentially Stern Gaze, um, totally in, in keeping with things. Um, I don't know. I actually don't like spells like this in general, but if any if there's any good place for it, it would be the Inquisitor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think this turn lies is a cool spell. I think the ability to use it as an immediate action is actually super clutch. 
Um, cause it kind of, it's like, I, I think, I think that's kind of the biggest limitation on discern lies is that, um, you have to be prepared for it, right? Like you, you can't just, you know, be like, Hmm, um, moving into it. But I think using, being able to use the immediate action makes it really flavorful and really, really cool and brings it really in line with what, uh, with, with, with the class fantasy. Um, yep. <laughs> Uh, and so next, next ability, next, uh, class feature down the line is second judgment. You get two judgments instead of one. Oh boy. Um, yeah, this is also weird because some of the judgments scale. I feel like if I was playing an inquisitor, I would have to have a specific chart for what each of the bonuses of my judgments do. Cause they don't scale at a uniform rate. Some of them scale up like plus one every two levels, plus one every three levels, plus one every five levels kind of thing. Um, and I feel like that those numbers could get kind of crazy kind of quickly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, stalwart, which is an awesome ability. Um, I just want to read this out because I don't think it's quite what it says on the tin. At 11th level, an Inquisitor can use mental and physical resiliency to avoid certain attacks. If she makes a fortitude or will saving throw against an attack um, that has a reduced effect on a successful save, she instead avoids uh, the effect entirely. It's essentially evasion, but for fortitude and will saves. Um, will saves. And I think that that's so cool and i actually forgot that this existed and i wish it was on more it was on more things not only that but i think that saving throws on will and, and fortitude effects tend to be a little bit more interesting right reflex is always like you take no damage instead of half damage oh boy but some of these more fortitude ones are like if you make the save you aren't pal paralyzed for the round but you still take 3d8 damage uh, no, because I'm stalwart. Like, I, I, yeah. I, I, think it, yep. I think it's got the potential to be a lot cooler in there. I do have to say, it is really weird that this is on the Inquisitor, right? This feels like something that belongs on, like, the Monk to me. I mean, or maybe I, uh, maybe one of, like, the tank, you know, like, a fighter would get this instead of bravery, right? That would kind of make sense to me. But, you know, well, it well, kind of is what it is. I Well, I think do think that they could belong on those classes. Well, I do think – I think it makes sense in the Inquisitor as well. Like, it's kind of yeah. like the, like, you know, the – the unbreakable type of... I mean, to, to all told, I actually think that it shouldn't be either or. I think it should be, you know, stalwart should be fortitude. Uh, there should be, you know, evasion and there should be kind of, you know, resilient maybe and, Iron you know, guts. each for, for Fort Will... Yeah, one, you know, one for each of them, essentially. Yeah. And then you kind of spread that out, right? Like, uh, like it, it makes a lot of sense to me that a barbarian gets some evasion later in his life, right? But I think a fighter and a cavalier both having stalwart is solid, right? I think a, um, you know, a bard think... uh, having, having, you know, whatever the will-saving throw version of this is makes a lot of sense and would be very cool. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, a barbarian makes more sense for him to have a fortitude saving throw, the, the fortitude one than a... Uh, reflex one, but um, you know, I, I I I think you're right. I think this 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 system like easily you could just make three versions of this and kind of sprinkle them around as you want to mm -hmm. through archetypes or whatever. Um, but yeah, um, next on the list is greater bane. Does more damage. Pretty straightforward. Extra bane. Um, next one is exploit weakness. Um. I think this is supposed to be thematically in the Monster Hunter kind of archetype vein. Yeah. Um, well, I also think it's – it's to me, it seems like, 
you know, there's all this stuff with regeneration. Um, that also feels to me like it's a uh, it's an answer to divine monsters, right? Like outsiders. I, I, I see a lot of outsiders that have regeneration of one form or another, so I think it's a little bit of that as well. Okay. Uh, essentially what it does uh, is whenever the Inquisitor scores a crit, they ignore DR... Um, and, uh, if the target has regeneration, it loses regeneration for the round after the critical hit and can be killed normally. Um, but, uh, uh, also if the Inquisitor deals damage to a creature with vulnerability, um, it, all of that damage is plus one per dice die rolled, um. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a cool ability. I like I like stuff that synergizes with crit in class features. Um, that seems seems solid to me. Uh, the end of it, we have third judgment, right? You know, they can get a third one every time they choose judgments. Oh boy, it's at sixteenth level. At seventeenth level, um, the Inquisitor learns to focus her judgment. Um, they select one type of judgment and they're treated as five levels higher for the purposes of the bonus um but it can't be changed anymore it's a little bit of numbers yeah uh, you know i think it's fine yeah um uh, and then the level 20 ability i've never in my life seen anyone use a level 20 ability but i yeah i, I, I think possibility I, I think we say this every time we we hit the level 20 ability and something it's like oh no one ever gets to use it but it's really cool you uh right. <laughs> you're right um you invoke true judgment as a swift swift action was declared you make a single melee or range with the foe within 30 feet of the target if the attack hits it deals damage normally the target must make a fortitude save or die um, save is equal to 10 plus half the Inquisitor's level plus the, half, plus the Inquisitor's Wisdom modifier. Um, regardless of whether or not the save is made, the target creature is immune to the Inquisitor's True Judgment ability for 24 hours. Once the ability has been used, it cannot be used again for 1d4 rounds. Um, I think it's cool, but I also think it's hard to like get that get that DC up high enough for it to matter. For it to, yep. Um, I don't know. What if that's like... Let's assume you're, uh, you've got like a Wisdom of plus four um that's like a, a 24 dc at 20th level doesn't seem that hard to hit um <laughs> yeah you know yeah i think that's i think that's a i think we could again do a whole episode on the problems i think that saves don't scale well in this game um in general in general i don't like much like i think saves in armor class um this like in you know they don't just don't scale well enough to to avoid being hit which is it's weird um i think it's really hard to pump those numbers up too um but uh i think that's everything in the base um uh like we talked about before there are a ton of archetypes um not all of which are on the regular d20 pfs or d chart i do not know why um but um we're we're kind of um kind of tight on time we are a little bit yeah we are a little bit pressed uh for time uh do you just want to kind of do like one or two i have two that i like all right i've got a couple too why, why don't you go first uh the first one that i like a lot is cold iron warden uh which is the specific like anti-demon force um 
But what I like about them is they actually thought of some very cool abilities to help someone track down demons. Uh, the two that really matter are track teleportation, um, where it basically does exactly what uh, 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 it, it basically does exactly what it would seem to um where the cold iron warden sits where someone teleported from and they can sense the direction of the destination um and a kind of roundabout answer of where that destination kind of like like a ballpark um of where that destination is it's very sp it's very specific uh and it like it's one of those abilities that is not going to be very useful um but I just think it is so freaking cool that, uh, that that was something that they thought of. The other one is they have Translate Telepathy, which essentially says, um, you know, a Cold Iron Warden can sense when a creature uh, within five feet of itself, but it also grows with level, um, is sending or receiving telepathic messages uh, with perception checks as an immediate action. And they can listen in on all of those. Um I just think those are such cool abilities to be going after to be going after demon kind with. Uh, See, this this is one of those, um, this is one of those class. This, these archetypes I was talking about before was like it's super specialized in hunting demons. If um, this, I don't think this existed when uh, when when I started my Wrath of the Righteous game, um, but if it did, or maybe it didn't, the players no none of the players found it. If I had one of these in my game, it would be. That character would be on a like a huge leg up on everybody else because he's good at hunting demons, and that's what you do in Wrath of the Righteous. You hunt demons, um, and so I don't know what the best way to kind of like deal with those sorts of problems are. Um, you know, you know, we're fighting specific things in this book, so I'm going to take the things that make me good at fighting specific things. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, I think it's just a, a weird. Uh, I, you know, I would agree with you, but I just want to, like, highlight the cleverness of those two mechanics Fair in enough. particular. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the ones that I wanted to point out is the Living Grimoire. Um, I love this because it's, it's so, it's so, it's, it's so cool and silly at the same time. Um, one of the big things, like I said, is, or this is the one I was alluding to earlier, it makes you a prepared spellcaster that's keyed off of intelligence. Not sure why they went with intelligence. Um. But uh, the big thing is they get a holy book. Um, it is literally a book with, like, the scripture of your deity in it, and you can hit people with it. It works like a, uh, a, a war priest's sacred weapon. It gets damage at scales like that, and you could beat people with your uh, – you could beat people with your cult – it acts as a cold iron light mace initially, and then it scales. And I think that that's so cool. Um, and he's got some other thematic abilities, like he can – tattoo spells on his body um and he can uh and he can i i just love the concept of of like beating people down with with with, with the book I, I i think it's 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 a lot of fun yeah well i sure uh <laughs> it is not for me i think it is a little bit on the silly side but i wouldn't get mad if somebody else played it i guess uh uh, I do want to point out that there's a couple of uh, that there's a couple of uh, some very baseline uh, archetypes here that are kind of almost just for flavor. The heretic feels like it's just for flavor. It's very stealth oriented. Uh, the preacher 
feels uh, feels like it's very very flavor. Uh, they really only the preacher only gets one ability that replaces uh, solo. Okay, tactics. so I actually want this is the other one I wanted to highlight with preacher. Is, oh, okay. Because my my uh, my player is a preacher, and oh, these abilities are actually super powerful. Um, you get to reroll attack rolls if you if uh if what is it that you just made before the results of the roll are revealed. Um. So, like, if you roll, like, a 12, but you don't know if that'll hit or not, you can re-roll it. And those are, like, similarly, um, you get defensive and uh, warning abilities. These are actually really powerful, um, and they're very cool. And I was thinking, for your if you have a problem with solo tactics, I think this is a great... Um, I think this is a great kind of, like, base archetype for replacing um, solo tactics, if you wanted to get rid of that from the class. You know, I do kind of think that that's true. Uh, I like I like this ability a lot. Uh, I just think it is a very it's a very smooth and streamlined. Right, it doesn't affect the class all that much. It just replaces solo tactics um, and a little bit of the bonus teamwork feat because instead of the bonus teamwork feat, you can choose to increase your per daily uses of these. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I like I like preacher. I think preacher is cool. The other one I wanted to bring up was uh, witch hunter. Which is the uh, uh, the exact same? Um, it's kind of the, the same problem, I suppose, because they are very focused on arcane spellcasters, right? All of their all of their stuff is specifically about arcane spellcasters. But they have this ability called spell scent, which is at sixth level. The witch hunter learns how to sense unique spell signatures and can follow the trail of a cast spell or spell effects cast back to its source. Once per day, you know, when they comes in contact with it, um, they spend a full round action to examine the spell effect and then gain the effect of locate creature. Um, I think that is such a neat ability. This is what I love about what I love about archetypes, right? I love some of these really cool abilities that people kind of come up with. I wish that was something that was baseline. Um, God, I just think that's that's super neat. But those were the two. Uh, those were the two that I wanted to, that I was thinking about highlighting. Okay, uh, just to go along with the 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 the, the witch hunter, I kind of wanted to point out hex and hammer. Um, Hex and Hammer also gets witch-like things, but instead of like being witch hunters, they kind of, they kind of like make make a deal with the devil type of thing, and they get. And I think it's, I think it's a really hard thing to manage, but I think it's really cool. Um, they get access some access to witch spells and the hexes, but when they use them, they lose, um, they lose access to some of their uh, their inquisitor features until they uh, like like prey on it, or or uh, or. Uh, I think there's one that makes them rest. Uh, it's what is it called? Dark trade. You can trade uh, judgments to use more hexes. I think that that's really cool and flavorful. Um, um, like uh, and, and like uh, um, like I, when I was talking about stern gaze, I'm like it's kind of like a whatever. Um, withering gaze, which replaces stern gaze with evil eye. I think that's a really cool kind of way to make that an active thing rather than just a passive thing. Right. Um. And so I, I think that, I don't know, I think it's a really cool and flavorful class. I think it'd be a little bit hard to play because it was kind of like seesaw elements, but. Um, yeah, I think I get that. I think I get where you're coming from. Um, it also has some super cool names for abilities like Pride and Penance and Dark Trade. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think it always makes things seem I like, I just, better. I mean, I think Hex and Hammer is just great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh but anyway, uh, those are, you know, those are the archetypes. 
close, I guess. Those are the ones that we wanted to point out. The, yeah. That's the Inquisitor. Um, it's a cool class. It's a cool class. Uh, I, uh, what do I think about the Inquisitor to kind of sum up? I like the Inquisitor. I don't know that I would ever play one. The Inquisitor feels almost like it would be the version. Like I, I'm not a, I'm not super big into like divine stuff and divine spellcasters and everything, but I do think I would be interested in the right lore context, right? Like if you could really get me into kind of maybe a, um, you know. Uh, Maybe if you okay, maybe if you got me into a like Carrion crowned Ustalov kind of game, then I would be super into the Inquisitor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, absolutely. Um I think for myself I think there's a version of the Wooden Wanderer who could have been an Inquisitor. Um I think that it's got a lot of cool things going for it. Um and I do kind of like this like you know, kind of, kind of like divine trickster, not quite, but like in, in that kind of like vein of like utility and kind of like subterfuge instead of um, instead of you know necessarily like the like the paladin or war priest like smash him good. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's the I could see myself playing it, but I could also see myself playing. I think nearly every every class. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they're cool. Um, I think they've got neat features. Um, I think watching my, my the player in my game kind of, like, really use Judgments and Banes a lot just kind of, like, unveiled to me, like, how powerful they actually are. Um, also, I think there's kind of, like, he he's, so, um, he's an Inquisitor of Caden Kaladin, which is just kind of funny on its face. Because yeah. you think of Inquisitor, like, Caden Kaladin's kind of, like, you know, jovial guy and, like, um, and Inquisitors are kind of these, like, serious, self-serious, like, we're grumbly types. Um, but yeah, those are my thoughts. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I guess we've come to that point uh, where we just kind of talk about our weeks. stuff, life, and, you know, we just, we wax uh, philosophical about things. How's your week, Mango? It was good. Didn't play any D&D, though. So we can't talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I guess I, I didn't either. So we can't talk about that. Well, what uh, you know, what what video games have you been playing? Well, I'm glad you asked because I have been playing some things. Um, the 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 first and foremost thing is that I I had been kind of falling off of WoW, whereas like for whatever reason this week I felt really back into it, which is good. You know, kind of mm -hmm. feed that 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 need. But uh, I've also been dabbling in other things. I've been playing some Tyranny. I'm playing some Pokemon Moon. I've been playing some, uh, oh, what was I playing? Yesterday, I played, been playing a bunch of Titanfall. Yesterday, I watched a Let's Play of, um, the first part of, uh, of Sonic Unleashed, which is a terrible game, which is why the group is playing it. Um, it's, uh, like, it's one, it's the one where Sonic turns into a, a, a werehog. It's a dumb game. Um, but because I saw that, I was like, I would like to play some Sonic games. So I booted up Sonic Generations, um, which is a decent game. Um, has some neat mechanics to it. You switch between, like, um, every zone has two levels. One of them you play as, like, the old school Sonic, and it's all 2D. And one of them you play as the newer Sonic, which is, like, blended 3D, 2D segments, which is neat. Um, but, uh... I played that game for maybe a, an hour, hour and a half. 
Um, and then I found the bonus level that was, uh, that was like a, a pinball game. And I realized what I really wanted was just to play pinball. Um, I've been playing, <laughs> I've, I've been playing pinout on my phone, which is, it, it's a pinball style game, but instead of racking up oh, points. Holy shit, I forgot. What? I've been playing a game on my phone recently that I can talk about. Oh, well. Um, for the, but finish your point yeah. on pin, I'm sorry. You just reminded me. I was thinking about one game, and I just had forgotten about this other one that I'm playing all the time now. Anyway, um, Pinout is a uh, it's it's uh, it's pinball controls and whatever, but instead of trying to score points, you're trying to kind of push the ball off the table. There's new sets of flippers every so often. <coughs> Excuse me. And the, um, and the objective is to get to the end of the table within a certain time limit. It's a cool little game. A couple of bucks. I recommend it to anybody. Um, who wants to play it? But what game have you been playing on mobile, buddy? My mobile game has been Candy Crush. Actually. Ah. Uh, I love this game. It is so clever sometimes. It's a little bit because this game is built for kids, and I'm early enough in it that I don't feel the kind of like itch to like buy power ups and everything, right? Like I could beat most levels uh, just kind of by retrying a couple of times at most, right? Um, but just the the different mechanics that they have come up with for this match three game are they're just insane. Uh, you know the 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 um, God the um, the map you know where you can make your match threes are different. The different number of candies that are on a map, right? The different specials if you match four or you match five in a row or you match you know two sets of three with a single candy, right? If you take those two special candies and match them to one another, what kind of benefits and bonuses can you get, right? And I I just find it a very interesting puzzle game that's really making me like rethink that my kind of tactics and my approach. Uh, every time I, I load up a map and, uh, I don't know. I've just been playing a lot of it. It's a lot of fun. How deep into it are you? Like level like 50 something, maybe level 55. I, you know, you have to do the thing where you wait, obviously for like three days. I, I, I don't use power-ups. Um, right. Well, I, so I, you, you just earn power-ups just kind of passively. So I've gotten some of those, um, and I've used some of those, but for the most part, uh, I try not to use uh, I try not to use power ups because I don't know. Yeah, no, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't played in, in in a number of years, but the thing I remember distinctly was there there came a point I forget how deep in it was where there are like some levels that are like super highly dependent on luck, um, and like that really turned me off and there was there's this one level in particular i, I can't remember what number it was but they, it's kind of like there are like those cages around the outside there's like a like a, a dozen of like you have to unlock this many pieces um and like it was all it was a bitch to complete the first time it, it was like you know a, a bunch of time of me just like not playing like like throwing all my lives into it to get it and then and it was it was fairly luck based. It was like oh, I just didn't happen to get the right things to line up. Um, and then um, I don't know if they still do this, but they used to when you hit like kind of like a a, a border, um, you'd have to instead of if you didn't want to pay for it, you'd have to beat a challenge. Um, and that level was always in the challenge. It was always super frustrating to beat, and eventually I just gave up and stopped playing the game. Um, I wonder what level. I wonder if I played this level. Uh, 
Yeah. I, right now, right now, I'm dealing with chocolate squares. Have you seen chocolate squares? Are they the ones that break apart when you? Uh, uh, what, what are chocolate? I, I've Cho- chocolate chocolate squares. So what'll happen is a, there will be a bunch of them, right? Um, uh, generally it'll be like you know a big line uh somewhere kind of like on your map. Maybe there would be like six to eight, uh, in general, and they're they're typically at they're in in places that are at first hard for you to reach and make matches if you don't break chocolate um if you match three near like next to chocolate like to it's adjacent to a match uh the chocolate will break apart and an empty square will be filled up essentially um but if you don't break a chocolate on a round the chocolate square will increase by one oh, and it'll right, start yeah. eating it'll start eating the different the candies. Um, it is such a neat mechanic. I love these chocolate squares. I've also been playing with. Um, God, what else did they just introduce that was really interesting? Um, I don't remember offhand, but yeah, I just I've been I've been having a lot of fun with uh, I've been having a lot of fun with Candy Crush recently. Oh, you know what? Maybe. Oh, you know what? Maybe maybe it was a chocolate square. I think the level I'm thinking of had like chocolate squares up in a bunch of kind of like. Like it was like a like an alternating like like blank block and a chocolate square, um and there got to a, there's a point where you can't break the, like there's a point that you can get to where you can't break the chocolate like like the 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 pieces just won't fall right and you won't be able to maybe that was it I don't remember clearly it was like five years ago, but like essentially trying to break a chocolate square that's like directly above a piece is like super luck based if you know what I mean right like mm-hmm. um. And I, I just don't. I, I at some point I stopped finding it fun. That's that's all. But again, that was that was a while ago. Um, so more power to you if you are enjoying it. Um. I mean, it's a mobile game, yeah. so you know I'm not really putting that much time into it. But you, it is it is occupying myself when I cannot be otherwise occupied. I suppose. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, we we also played a big game of Civ Six. Did, did we talk about that last time? We talked about our first game. I don't think we talked about our second. Uh, yeah. Well, we played some Civ Six. It was a lot of fun. Um, I almost won with a religious victory, and then uh, Nick declared war on me. Um, I think that kind of that did a couple of things. One, it kind of highlighted to me the weaknesses of of religious victory. Um, it works against the AI because the AI isn't smart enough to be like, oh, I should declare war and destroy destroy his apostles. Right. Um. But I also think it brought up some weaknesses in our games. That, like, that was the only war that was declared all game. Um, I think there should have been more war, just straight up. Um, I think, but I think because we all knew... I, I think that somebody should have attacked Barry. I think you probably should have attacked me um, at some point, because I was, like, super I was gearing. I mean, I was gearing up for it. Uh, I actually had built a bunch of bombards, and I was just ticking away at the... I had, like... At the time that we stopped, I had a couple of turns left with a whole bunch of guild in the uh, gold in the bank that would have turned those bombards into artillery, and then I was going to attack. Uh, okay. Um, I think it should have happened a little bit earlier, maybe, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, probably right. At the, I, you know, I, I think all, all of us are particularly not very aggressive. Um, it was also, you know, I didn't have much of a reason to attack besides stopping you from winning. So the secret to that game. Um, 
So the secret to that game was I was pretty confident that my end game, I was going to wreck everyone essentially, just because the way I had set up those cities, I had four or five cities that were all very close. And I specifically placed, because I, you know, I'm Germany with the Hansas, I specifically placed the different Hansas so that all four slash five of the cities would be getting the six square production upgrade and i just think that that core of uh that those those groups of cities would have been able to put out just so many units uh that it would have been pretty hard in like the in the later game once once i had once i had factories um inside of those hansas that was pretty much game over i felt like um so i wasn't in a rush uh, also it was, uh, you know, <laughs> it was probably pretty stupid of us not to have like worried about religion. I think Barry and I both had the same kind of like, well, the other one is probably going to do something with it, but I'm glad Nick, uh, you know, got his shit together. Um, <laughs> because, because religion is, uh, you know, a, I, I, it, it is a problem when you're kind of thinking in terms of late game victories like that. Were you, were you planning on doing a, a, a domination victory? Uh, that was basically my plan, yeah. I think if you had done a domination victory, you would have triggered me winning. Like, really? I think if, like, I had managed to hold out and you conquered Nick, I, like, if, if you eliminated Nick... Oh, well, Nick, I wouldn't have done that for obvious reasons, but yeah. Yeah, I, like, so, like, I think, like, I was I was thinking about this at, as we were winding down. It's like, if, if you, if you conquered Nick, or if, like, if somebody, like, fucked with Nick enough, um, to, like... All I needed is, like, either one city on him or, like, if someone took him... Like, if either you or Barry took over Nick, I think I had enough cities on you. Uh, convert that you would immediately have won the game. Yeah, because... But, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, that was... That was pretty obvious from the get-go, though. There was very little... I mean, Nick is also hard to attack just because he also is um, uh, China, so he has, like, the Great Wall improvements everywhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, had, I had no plans to... Uh, I had no plans at all to uh, to attack to attack Nick. Uh, you were first on the chopping block. It probably would have been you and then Barry, to be honest. Um, and I would have worried about Nick in the in the uh, in the end. Yeah, I've actually been playing some Civ 6 too. I, I I loaded a mod. I loaded a couple of mods. The first mod I loaded was an improved sea tiles yield mod because I don't understand. The mechanics of the sea tiles as is they're so much weaker than they were in civ 5 that it makes coastal cities feel terrible um so i loaded that i loaded that mod uh, which essentially just kind of reverts things back to what it was in civ 5 where the lighthouse um you know all of your sea resources are improved by a little bit uh extra um uh, you, I would also with uh, uh, I also loaded a couple of mods that increased great ter great person points, civic points, um, and science points necessary to trigger each you know technology civic and everything by five. Just but like everything else is essentially the same. Um, because a problem I was running into was it was impossible to. Uh, to make an army that felt good, I guess. What what kept happening to me is I would like create an army and then one of the units of that army would be immediately obsoleted and outmoded. And because of how the specifics of the obsoleting kind of works, um, it was just always such a huge pain. And I was just like, man, I, I just want to, you know, like I want to spend 
a while creating my army and then I want to spend a while fighting with it. Um, and so that's why I loaded up these mods and it has been fucking insane and super awesome. Um, I plan on playing with them basically forever, I guess. Uh, but, but yeah, neat. Um, I guess I'll speak a little bit to, uh, Pokemon moon. Um, just cause that's the new hotness. Um, I think it's a, it's a pretty good Pokemon game. Um, I'm still getting used to some of the, the newer things, but like, I feel like it's one of the first Pokemon games in a while that kind of treats you like, like treats the player base like adults in some respect, right? Like, I think there's enough challenge there for a a person our age instead of like just like kids. Um, I think that that's very good. Um, you know, Pokemon is still Pokemon, but it's a lot more transparent. Like a lot of stuff was like pushed behind the scenes for, um you know, the, the obfuscated from players because it didn't really matter. And most players just kind of like playing through to see the easy story. But right. Um, they've brought a lot of that to the forefront. There's kind of like more visible ways to influence your, um, your kind of like your captain crunch type stats with people that care about that. And I think that that's a, a good thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Um, uh, we have also played a little bit of WoW. I want to just kind of talk about the specifics of um, uh, Mythic Plus Keystone affixes. This week's Keystone affixes are Sanguine and Overflowing, right? Um, and it's kind of become come to a point where we've seen a whole bunch of uh, the different affixes in play. Um and there are, uh, you know, like kind of what, you know, what happens in any kind of like big multiplayer player base like this, like almost a meta of affixes gets created where we look at affixes like Sanguine and say these are easy. And we look at affixes like, um, you know, Teeming or uh, 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 Skittish and say they're hard. Um, how do you feel? How do you feel about the different affixes that are on mobs um, in the dungeons? Um, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think I think that say like I think that there are ones that are harder and more difficult. And I think I think so. I think a lot of them are very flexible, which is good, right? Like, well, I think it's good because it lets you like lets different groups tap, tackle different things different weeks. But I think it's bad in that like you know it, it kind of violates the bring the player, not the class rule, right? Like I think that a heavy AOE comp deals with teaming just fine. Um, mm -hmm. I think that. Um, a, uh, what's, uh, th th there's, there's, um, there's one I can't remember, like, a, uh, th that, that, like, overflowing seems, like, super punishing for certain types of healers, um, like, I think that most monks deal with it all right, which we were running with, because they've got some overflow protection, um, but I think that that, that affects is just a, 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 a wretched pain, I think it's, I, in particular, I think overflowing's bad, because it's only on the healer, like, right. it's not something that everybody really has to deal with. Like, it's everything, every, something everybody has to deal with the consequences of, but it's only, like, ever one person's fault, if that makes sense. And I think that that's really shitty. Um, I think that... I don't think that they're super well-balanced, um, which is, I think, ultimately a problem, but not so much because they're the same for everybody each week. But, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a super... I think they I think they could have used another pass development. 
What do you think? I think, uh, I, you know, I think that they're a good idea in theory. And I actually think that having easy and hard groups of a- affixes is a good thing, right? This is a little bit of, like, you know, backwards logic in the sense that I actually think that, um, you know, all affixes should be kind of created equal. But also, I think that um, I think that the team should design the affixes week to week with difficulty curves essentially in mind um i think opening up different you know like i i think i think something that i would like to see from affixes that i don't quite as much but i see a little bit is different affixes that are kind of geared towards certain specs or classes shining in a way that they wouldn't normally otherwise shine right like us uh an affix that rewards um you know, overflowing is a little bit of this because for like for like resto druids because of how hots work. Um, but I think uh, uh, you, I th- I I think a world in which you can look at different specs and say, oh my god, shadow priest is going to be amazing this week in mythic pluses, or elemental shaman is just going to be the the bee's knees, uh, or you know, and, and kind of uh, f- go at it from that perspective uh that's 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 interesting uh, I, I think that's an easy way to feel like you alienate certain people like you know i i think it's a little bit of embracing the you know like embracing the negative thing sure right but how alienated do you know the undertunes right like survival hunters feel alienated all the time forever now right um and so making a world where fire mages feel alienated for one week but survival hunters feel included i think is the better version of that than just having you know class imbalance decide everything essentially okay i I see that The, the only real problem i have with with that is that um is that it you've got they've got some things on the line right like like realm first um mythic 15 plus um is the thing that happens and i think that inconsistencies make it feel unfair when that pops if that makes sense right like you know let's say the one let's say your group use your example is it has i know a survival hunter and then this other group that you're kind of like striving against to get the realm first mythic 15 plus has, has a shadow priest. And let's say the week where the shadow priest shines comes week before the week where the survival hunter shines and they win because of that. I think that feels super bad. Um, I think that's, that that's potentially a problem. Uh, you know, I think, yeah, but when you look at the, this is a little bit of a greater good thing. Uh, when you look at the people who are actually gunning for plus 15, realm firsts right what percentage of the population is that right it's it's a tiny fraction what percentage of the population are survival hunters right um obviously gonna it's gonna be higher um i don't know it's a little bit i i, I guess that's a little bit of how i view uh of how i view affixes i think to a certain extent i would like to see some affixes um that are a little bit more kind of bland or less uh affixes feel too punishing on the whole to me i guess i like affixes like like sanguine uh like sanguine is a good affix to me but i don't necessarily like affixes like 
teeming. Yeah. Or skittish. Like, 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 okay, Sanguine is very clear, right? It's adding an extra strategic layer for the group. Um, but, like, what's the extra layer that gets added with skittish? You know, like, how does a group change its strategy to account for skittish? I don't know. I haven't played with skittish, so I don't quite know skittish, how it works. Skittish is, if you're doing a bunch of DPS, you'll pull aggro off the tank. Yeah. It's, and, it's and not, I, uh, it's not yeah, fun. It feels, um, yeah. Plus, it, like, you know, the thing that, the, it's, the thing that I dealt with was I'm a melee DPS, and if the range pulled the aggro, it would start running towards the range, and, my, you know, my ability to aim my abilities would get severely messed up. Um, right. And then it, they'd be running back to the tank. It's just it's just a clusterfuck. I don't like skittish at all. Um, I don't think it's particularly... Like, I think there's a reason that Blizzard got rid of the uh, of the kind of, like... Uh, or, or made tanking, like, holding aggro easier in the first place. I don't think reverting that um, is a good decision. I, I think it's... That's essentially what skittish does. It makes it back more like... Like, I think you want DPS to cut their DPS a little bit, which, which never feels good. Um, similarly with like, with, um, with like teaming, right? Like there's, that's like a comp, like, I think Zangwin's good cause you can use the same composition. You just have to act differently, right? You have to pull the things around. Okay. That's great. Right. Like that, that's, that's fine. That's fun. That's, you know, it, it's something that everybody can do. Um, like, uh, teaming just means that you want to bring more people who have more AOE, which I think is a less interesting you know do. what's funny about teaming is I actually think teaming should be the opposite. If it were me, I feel like teaming should be the place where you um, you ev you use hex and polymorph on every trash. You know what I mean? And that's a little bit counterproductive, right? When it comes to you teaming, practically, you just want to get everyone that AOE's as fucking hard as possible, and you want a, a tank that can just take the extra brutality and hope for the best. Um, when really what I think it wants you to do is to, uh, be more selective, CC down some, some targets so that you don't get overwhelmed by like eight mob trash packs. I think that's what, um, what's, what's, what's the, the vengeance, what I can't remember the name of it. The one where you, where, uh, when a friendly dies near it, it gets powered up and raging maybe. Oh, bolstering. Actually, bolstering, I think yeah. that's actually kind of sort of not the case, but interestingly, uh, because bolstering also increases their health. By a bunch yeah like i uh, I, I think th those are the ones where you want to pull smaller trap smaller packs instead of pulling like whole floors um to me the well the 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 proper way to go through bolstering is to aoe the pack down as low as possible before you start killing guys yeah sure you want to do as much you want you want to burn through as much of their health bar as possible um uh and that's a little <coughs> counterproductive compared to when you know you want to be using paralysis and repentance to, oh uh, sure, lock, yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking more in terms of like pulling smaller packs, but yeah, you're right. Um, I think I think the problem, I think part of the problem too with with, with what you were saying about how uh, how how teaming works is that I would like to see a mythic plus where there are other conditions besides time, like something oh something like you know like clear it without any deaths or something, and, and you just go very like maybe that's not hard enough, but like you know something. I think you can make the, the affixes different and you can kind of encourage the thing you're talking about if the limiting factor isn't time because time is what pushes you to do these like, well, instead of paralyzing things, you want to pull as much as possible at once and just burn it hard, 
right? Like that, that's what everything is in Mythic Plus, right? We want to pull to our capacity and burn it as fast as possible, um, right? Because that's how you get good times. And and I think if if you could think of something else to use to do besides time, that would be that that would make the system a little bit more diverse and, and bring about this kind of this these kind of changes that you think are are better. Yeah, I wonder what I. Hmm. I wonder what I would use as another metric for like super success uh, when it comes to uh, uh, mythic pluses. Kind of can't think of one. Yeah, neither can I. I don't think it, it's it's tough. You know what I think would actually be a good version of Mythic Plus is here's here's one that I think you could sell me on. Instead of giving you time, uh, like a bulk of time, 45 minutes or whatever, you give time to trash packs. And so uh, you have an alternate version where if you kill the trash, uh, you get more time to do the bosses, essentially, if that makes sense. So, did you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Or like, you can kind of choose. You know, you can choose. It's, it, this is almost in, in replace of like the enemy forces bit of it, right? You can choose to skip as much of the trash as you want, right? But you're going to want you. You need to kill trash in order to get the time you need to kill the boss and to do the boss. Um, I don't know. I think that would be interesting. I'm trying to think. I really don't know of any anything that's not like time related that yeah. I would think of. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. I I think it's, I I think that there's a th there's theory there. I just don't know what what it is. I think you could get it without deaths. Would be one way to do it. You could maybe do it by encouraging some tricks to a certain extent. Like maybe you have to, you know, like you add you add doodads that have to be clicked on or done or something, um, uh, like in a certain order, or maybe you know, like I don't know, just kind of thinking out loud. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I think that's all. Uh, I think that's all we have uh, for this week. So that's what we think of the Inquisitor, and that's what's going on in our weeks. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to plug to all of the loyal listeners well, who've tuned in? Just the usual. If you want to tell us what you think of the Inquisitor, you can email us at somedervsplaygames at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash somedervsplaygames. You can like us on SoundCloud and Spotify and all of those cool things. Um, we're not on Spotify. Not Spotify. Sorry, I mixed up, like, iTunes, I guess. I don't know. Um but like, com comment, subscribe, do all those things that they tell you to do. Um, and uh, yeah, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. Uh, farewell. <laughs>